0: Hello and welcome to episode 205 of the Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado, and with us on the line from Chicago, Illinois, it's the Godfather, Dave Harbarger. Dave, we are standless. I know. It's heartbreaking.
1: I saw him today. I took him to FedEx, helped him mail <laughs> some stuff out to members of the Dive Down Nation. Literally, the last thing he was thinking about before he got on the plane was getting out prizes to people for that giveaway that he did a couple months ago for charitable donations. Oh, nice! So anybody who won something from Stan's little side side game, it's mostly in the mail. Um, but yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do. What are we gonna do? What? What are I we? It's not like do, we Dave. don't know each other. We've been friends for
0: nearly forty years. Yeah, way too long. Um, that's weird to think about. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just but you know, you know what's. Stan brings—the special Stan energy, the special Stan viewpoint—but uh, I think I think we'll be okay. I mean, we have we have spoiler episodes coming up. That's always a great time to talk cards. Unfortunately, I don't have any I don't have any opportunity to like disagree with Stan about cards. But maybe we can get some guests on that I can uh, disagree with loudly, and you know, we can argue about things. It sounds great to me. Yeah, for sure. And then, of course, I
1: was trying to pick out a theme song for us to play, but I just I just don't have the energy to reach into my Spotify and play something like <laughs> angel by Sarah McLaughlin or my wife told me about a song called I hope you're dancing by uh I forget the name of the country artist Leanne rhymes she was like play that song I
0: hope you dance.
1: I was like, I don't know about that one. And then I was also thinking, of course, about Boys to Men. You know, you got to play End of the Road. To the
0: of the road still
1: but he's coming back. So we don't have to be that maudlin, right? No. You know what he told me today? He said, I need the podcast. I need it. The- so he's going to be back.
0: I don't know what he meant by that, but... We all need the podcast in our own way. Yeah. And so do you, dear listener. And we're glad you need this podcast for some reason. But after a few weeks of fun, of award shows, of kind of, you know, just just, uh, talking to Randy from Heavy Play, what we wanted to do this episode was re-engage... In this great game of Magic in 2023, wanted to take a look at what's actually been going on in the past like month, month and a half, where you might have been thinking about you know, you know the end of the year, the parties you've been doing, the, the family gatherings, all that kind of stuff, the travel you've been doing, the time you might have had off work or school or something like that. But now we are back in the trenches. We have to think about what's going on in competitive Magic, what's going on in our formats of Modern and Pioneer. Yeah, and of course, you know,
1: when we look at both formats, we'll also talk about any interesting decks we see along the way, notable trends we see happening right now, and also just random new stuff to consider uh, in the whole dive-down sphere. So think of it as a primer for getting back into Magic in 2023, as we are here in January. And then, of course... We have one more thing to do at the beginning of that, and that is do a preview for the exciting conclusion to the 2022 Energy Championship Series. Their Invitational slash Finals is this weekend, January 14th, 15th. So you will have live tournament magic
0: to watch this weekend of great players playing our formats. So I, I, I'm checking my calendar. I don't think I have a lot of plans this weekend, so I'm hyped. I'm hoping that my wife's going to really love me having Twitch on in the background all weekend.
1: Yeah, you're not going to come to Chicago for my birthday. Is that what you're
0: telling me? Oh, crap. I should. I didn't get an invite. And <laughs> nobody <what> did. <laughs> but before we get into all that, we have some quick housekeeping. We have three new patrons, new citizens of the Dive Down Nation. We have James K., Sasway, and Connor K., no relation to James, I imagine. The Thank K brothers, you. the brothers you, K. K. <laughs> K. friends, Sasway friends. We appreciate you all joining the Dive Down Nation, getting your passport stamped as you crossed our borders into the lovely world of the Dive Down. We also have a new review, uh, uh, an awesome review from Philmatic nineteen. I'm gonna just assume that's an Illmatic reference. So I also love Nas, my friend. Uh, it's just it's nice it's nice to have someone tell you you're funny. Even though I don't think we are, yeah, I
1: have I have my concerns about this. This just says it's good, and then it says they forgot the podcast can be both educational and entertaining. We're funny and good hosts. Somehow, uh-huh. Uh-huh. somehow, the episodes certainly don't feel as long as they actually are. <laughs> what do you think? Do these episodes feel as long as they are to you, or when do they I listen feel? To them
0: for like yeah, do they feel time. longer
1: as we're making them? That's my question.
0: Well, like after the recording. And the like, the final listen to, and then listening to it after it goes live for some wild reason. Where I'm like, did I miss anything? I do get tired of hearing myself. Um, but if you want to join the Patreon, join the Dive Down Nation. You can go to patreon.com slash the Dive Down. It's the best way to give us your direct support. In exchange, you get to join our Discord. You get some episodes early. If you're at the $5 tier, uh, you get deck boxes at the $5 tier. You get tokens and stickers and pins and such uh just at the three dollar tier i believe play mats uh you could work on work on a custom episode with us every six months or so those are the kind of perks you can enjoy uh make 2023 the year if you haven't already get in the patreon that's right and if you want to support us in a couple of
1: other ways the first one, the easiest one is if you want to get yourself some swag, go check out the divedown.com slash store, grab a hat, grab a hoodie, grab a fanny pack, whatever. That's a way to direct, uh, support us directly. If you don't want to have money, go through Patreon. If you would like to support us while playing Magic Online, you can check out Traders. Our code for Traders is the dive down 10. That will get you 10% off your first two months of playing Magic the Gathering on Magic Online. Longtime users of Traders, love them. Couldn't Really do the show without them. Couldn't really play magic without them. I've decided so. manitraders.com, Check it out. The Dive Down Ten, and then a couple more things. You can go to Barrister and Man to get some great grooming and body products, shaving products from our good friend Will at Barrister and Man. Code there is the Dive Down Fifteen at Barrister and Man, where you can get fifteen percent off your first order. Shane, you want to do the Barrister and Man plug right now? What do you What do you got going on for Barrister and Man this week,
0: man? My friend Dave, uh, I I have like six shaving soaps. I just sort of rotate through. And six. Yeah, I mean, I have like four tubs and four at tubs. Le- at least, no, five tubs and two sample bars. At least. Oh my gosh. And I mean, I he knows, will knows that I love the shaving soaps, so he sends me these samples, and I've even bought some, right? And this was a Le grand week for me. Okay. Um, I have both the soap. And the aftershave uh, Splash. And there's something really about like special about La Grand Shipra where it doesn't smell like anything else I've had from Barrister and Man, although nothing that I've had from Barrister and Man smells like anything else from Barrister and Man, which is mm-hmm. kind of like one of the best things uh, about it. But yeah, Shipra is great. And I'm still loving the Taiga uh, soap that's on my counter in my soap dish that I mentioned a few weeks ago. What are you into?
1: You know, I'm still just using the soaps and the beard oils, and right now I'm back to my old favorite Seville in the beard oils, and I'm using Leviathan soap right now in the uh, in the in the grooming section.
0: I have some Leviathan soap. Is that the one that you all says like is actually kind of like a dark suds? No, that's a. I think that's a different one. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I need to I need to bust out some Leviathan soon. I just need to have like three soap dishes. Is really what I need to move to. Well, two weeks like ago you told us about how you bought one soap dish. Yeah, and now, now I need three. Now you have three. No, I mean I need three. I don't you have three. three. Yeah. I need to like, have you know spaced out. All anyway, right. if you want if you want to enjoy the variety of fragrances and products over at Barrister and Man and save fifteen percent off your first order, use code The Dive Down fifteen. That's Barrister. And man, m a double n. That's
1: right. You can also, if you want to support us by buying paper cards, and actually, we don't get a kickback from this, but if you want to get a discount on paper cards, go check out Nerd Rage Gaming. You'll get 8% off cards that you buy from them if you use the code DIVE8. And then finally, one last little plug because this is going to come out right before the Kickstarter closes. We talked to randy from heavy play last week if you haven't heard about heavy play it's a new line of magic accessories boxes that kind of stuff again not something we're getting up we're getting any kickback for this but go check out the kickstarter at heavyplay.com you've got a couple more days to check
0: it out it did hit its goal it did so the, the dive down bump yeah i it went it had a huge influx of backers in the past few days so uh just like randy said uh, either way, I was going to get funded, and so I'm glad to see that it has. And, yeah, the stuff's really good. Uh, we mentioned this you know, we, in the interview. I mentioned that I had not received it yet. And, again, this is just me saying, bottom of my heart, I think so, this is some really good stuff. Like, I'm I'm loving the, the deck boxes and the play map and, like, the dice box is super rad. Like, I totally... Did not appreciate like how annoying annoying it was to like have my dice in like one of my towers, and then have to like move the cards into that tower in order to keep the dice with it. Like just having the dice in their own little box, it just like snaps whatever deck I'm yeah. bringing that yeah. night and just like slap it to the play mat. Like it works really well, and the products like the magnet motion is really great. Anyway, we've talked a lot about Heavy Play, and I don't want to sound like we're just shilling, but right. it's good stuff. And also, we've had a lot of codes right here. But yeah, check out HeavyPlay.com
1: check out that Kickstarter. If you're interested, just a reminder more than anything else. Oh my gosh,
0: Dave, so much preamble before we got into any content.
1: That's okay. People apparently use the 30-second skip button on things sometimes. I'm starting to see it showing up on our Spotify curves, people. I get the message, okay? And I saw Chris uh, CCR from, MT, from MTG Rants talking about using the skip button on podcast the other day, on Magic Podcast the okay. other day on Twitter. Broadcast? And I felt subtweeted, I will say. <laughs>
0: He did not confirm or deny that he was talking about us. I mean, you know, some days, some days just got to skip some things. Let's get into some content. Yep. Dave, I noticed, I noticed you, you switched this into five things, not, not just a few things. We have five separate categories of what's going on in magic right now. Yep. Five, the five part primer of going into 2023
1: for magic. What's our first one? Well, I thought the best thing to start with would be like I alluded to earlier, high level competition coming in this weekend. Like I said, the Energy Championship Series Invitational, the finals, is the 14th and 15th this week. So all of that tournament series that went on last year, for all the coverage that we did, it comes down
0: to these 16 players who made it. I I honestly, I can't believe it's here. Like, I, I didn't really realize, like just how many events NRG had and how much we really you know, wanted to and were happy to cover these events. And, and so I'm amped to see that we finally do the championship. The 16 players are all truly excellent. I'm, I'm amped to see them you know, go head to head in the event this coming up weekend for sure. So
1: 16 great players. I'm just going to read off their names right now, just so we can kind of know who's in it, where they came from, because they are a lot of notable people and people that we've had on the show, honestly. So it's Ivan Espinoza, who was the 20, 2021 20, 20, champion, Piper Powell, season sh- one showdown champion, Joe Bernal, season one at large, Andrew Ellen Bogan, season one at large, Connor Malali, season two showdown, Theo Young, season two showdown, Max Kamanowski, season two showdown, Jesse Robkins, season two at large, Nicole Dubin, season two at large, Derek Davis, season three showdown. Raja Suleiman season three at large. Zach Allen, season three at large. Adam Washburn-Moses, overall at large. Zoe Riederman, overall at large. Will Krueger, overall at large. And Mac Endris, overall at large. It's a lot of people. A lot of people Loving that it.
0: we've been watching all year. Yeah, I mean, these people ground this out, right? Like, these these are some awesome players who uh, did really well, either in particular tournaments and were able to kind of sit back a little bit, or just played steadily all year and we talked about them all year so it's it's impressive to see this group of people together yeah yeah so there's the there's the players in the tournament this weekend but here's the
1: thing that's really interesting about the, sh- the championship series is that all of these invitational tournaments they have really interesting structures and we might as well talk about this one really quickly because this one is wild so these people are going to be organized into two different pods of eight players essentially some of the points leaders i forget which players. Maybe it's maybe it's the season champion has the ability to change one player f- out of their pod for a player into the into their pod like they get to move around some of the pairings which is also pretty interesting and then it's it's in four stages essentially it's a mixed modern and pioneer tournament it's stage 1 is the largest stage of the tournament, everybody in the tournament is gonna play against every other person in their pod. So they split the 16 into two pods of eight. Those people are each gonna play each other. It's three rounds of modern and then four rounds of pioneer across those seven matches. So they're gonna play three rounds, then they're gonna switch of modern, and then they're gonna switch to pioneer. And this is a group is of eight people,
0: so they're gonna play everyone.
1: They're gonna play every person. <laughs> yeah. that's right. And then after stage one, the bottom two people from each pod are eliminated. And the top two seeds of each pod get to go basically to the quarterfinals. So they get to skip over stage two, the people who kind of do the best in this in this seven-match pairing area. So what happens then is the people that are left over, the eight players that finish third to, through sixth in each pod, make a new eight-player pod.
0: So this, so this is kind of like the loser's bracket, maybe, like, if you're thinking about, like, a tournament. Uh, it's. I mean, they're not loser's bracket. They're playing to make the... The
1: quarters. Right. So those people play three rounds double elimination against each other in modern in a new pod. So if you win two matches when you're in stage two, you move on to stage three. After all that, we'll have eight people entering their day two. There'll be four people that skip stage two and four people that manage to get two wins in stage two. Yeah. Okay. So we're winnowing down. Yeah. <laughs> then in stage three, it's double elimination pioneer for three rounds. So win two and you make stage four. Okay. So that should cut it down to four people at that point. And those people will play each other in a best two out of three match set. So I think they have to play, if I'm reading this right, they're going to play matches against each other. Best two of three matches. And they will, the first seed in each match, matchup gets to pick which format they want to do. And they get to pick if they want to play or draw in game one. Awesome. Then they'll play a match match. Then the second seed person picks either format and they get their draw in the second match. And then in third, in the third match, if they do it again, it's the opposite of match two. First seed gets to pick, um, choice of play draw in game one. So people are going to be deciding, oh, I want to play this person in Modern, or I don't want to play this person in Pioneer. My Pioneer deck matches up better against their Pioneer deck. So it, it's going to be some wild, wild gamesmanship, I think.
0: This is awesome. Do, do do you think, do they get to only pick one deck for the weekend? Like they don't get to switch around their decks, right? They just have a Modern deck and a Pioneer deck for the whole weekend. I have weekend? to think, yes. Yeah, yeah, that would be absurd otherwise. But like yeah, this seems this is the kind of tournament that I think players like this really get to have some fun and some expertise and some leveling in, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because this is what happens, you know, if you think
1: about some of the small field tournaments that we've seen like the MOX or some of these online tournaments, the Magic Online tournaments where we saw, I believe it was even Will Kruger, actually who's in this tournament as well, who won a Modern Mox finals by playing scapeshift in a field that was all like shadow was no, all yorian and shadow. Like it was like four yorian decks, three shadow decks, and one scapeshift deck. And they, you know, Will won that tournament by metagaming. So we could have some really interesting things happen where it's possible that the pioneer field will be just three decks somehow split up between these 16 people. And we won't really know how or why they did that, but that what happened? It's possible that everybody will bring their pet decks to modern. It's possible that everything could be really meta. It's possible that someone could play a deck that they would never play in an open field tournament, but they'll play it here because of the players they're expecting to be against right now. So there could be some weird tech. We'll try to learn as much as we can from the tournament. We're going to cover this tournament a little bit in depth next week as far as who won, and we'll talk a little bit about what decks kind of rose to the top and what notable things happened. But, you know, I think it'll just be an interesting thing to watch. And this is. One of the highest level magic tournaments we've had in a minute, especially in paper. So good thing to watch on Twitch this weekend. Coverage starts at 10 a.m. Central on Saturday and Sunday. So keep an eye on it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Shane, what do you think? Let's just have some fun for a minute here. Let's make some unsubstantiated calls. What What do you think is going to be the most popular modern deck among these 16 people? Ooh. Okay,
0: among these 16 people, I would not be surprised to see three copies each of Jeskai
1: Breach and Hammer. I love it. It's exactly the same thing I was going to say. Was everything else I think will be less than that, but I think there's a good shot that there's three copies of each of those decks. Great way to put it.
0: Yeah, that's my thought. That's my thinking of for Pioneer. What do you think about Modern? No, you just
1: said Modern. How about Pioneer?
0: Oh, yeah. Unless there's Jeskai Breach
1: and Pioneer now.
0: Those Those are Modern decks. Pioneer. Pioneer, where things get a little bit off the rails. Like we're going to talk about Pioneer a little bit later in this episode, of course. But I just, I don't know what has the biggest edge in that format, right?
1: Where it's like, I agree. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later based on the RCQ stuff and Frank Carson's most recent uh, metagame article. But just to make a shot in the dark, Pioneer. I'm going to say I think that blue-white control is the most popular mm. deck with this group of people. When I see Roger Saliman, Zach Allen, Joe Bernal, yeah. and I think even Andrew Ellen Bogan are people who generally F- play fully, decks like that. fully foiled Azorius control decks. Well, that's, that's Zach. I don't think that's necessarily Andrew. That's definitely Zach and Joe Bernal. Joe Bernal, yeah. you know, local Chicago player who is kind of well known for playing control a lot of the time. For sure. Um, and Roger Saliman, for sure, well-known for playing Control quite frequently, too.
0: I never, ever, ever wanted to sit across from Joe Bernal. Like, nope. you know, in local events. No, never. But not when he wanted to be next to him, because he scares me.
1: He's so good. <laughs> it's happened to me a couple of times, and I have never won. So, you know.
0: Well, yeah, right. right. I'm looking forward to this. Um, I'm definitely going to try to watch as much as possible, and then watch some replays as we pre- prepare for uh, the episode coming up. Yep.
1: Last thing I wanted to talk about really quickly was the future of the nerd rage gaming series. Oh, yeah. So recently on December 10th, uh, Max Kahn, who's the organizer of the series, well-known judge and and magic player around Chicago and someone who's basically helped organize the nerd rage gaming circuit for a long time. They are going to do a scaled down version of the series this year, but it's still going to be really great. I think. So their plan right now is to do seven weekends of tournaments with two events per weekend where they're going to have a, the same thing that they've been doing now. They've ha- they'll have a Saturday event that's a $10,000 trial and a Sunday event that's a $5,000 trial. Um, and they're going to do seven of those throughout the year. They're going to have one leaderboard for the entire year this time. And so we're going to see people racing to be the points leaders across all of 2023. Right now they have three
0: events announced so far for the first half of the year. So this is kind of like a mini SCG. Right. Like kind of like they had the points that kind of went throughout the entire year of
1: SCG. I think SCG had seasons similar to how to how Nerd Rage did it this year. I think that Nerd Rage is trying to make it a little more simple and just cut back, I think, on the number of events that they had this year. They had a lot. And so with seven events, you know, we have one in March, one in May and one in June. Right now, two of those are scheduled in Mundelein. One is in Minneapolis. And we'll kind of see where they go from the rest of the year from there. But that is the f- the future of NRG for next year, at least. Sweet. Looking forward to that. Oh, and I should mention, they're also going to do stuff that's a little more uh, focused on side events. And they're going to have a command zone and some other stuff like that. So I think they're going to try to make it a little more open to the general public as opposed you know, like, to just being for the grinders.
0: Yeah. Smart. Well, after NRG... As we promised, we want to look more deeply into uh, the two primary formats we cover in Modern and Pioneer. And I was fortunate enough to flip the coin and get Modern. And what I thought we should do is because you know we haven't really talked too deeply about Modern for a while now. But what I wanted to start with was looking back at one of Frank Karsten's metagame mentor articles uh, uh, about Modern. And the last one that he published was December 15th. And what he looked at was November through December's information. And I thought this would give us kind of what were we working with in December. I don't think there's anything really surprising here because it's the end of the year. It had been pretty stable in modern Medigan developments up until that point. And so pretty quickly... We saw it's at Merktide at 13.4%, even though it had a pretty statistically average win rate. You know, Merc was maintaining its top position in the meta. We saw Hammer Time at 11.9%, which was a rise at that point. One of the most winningest decks. Hammer Time, you know, continued its uh, rise up the charts. Rakdos Undying, or Scam, at 10.2%, also a rising up-and-comer at that point. Surprisingly stable, over the past few months in modern, not really kind of going anywhere and maintaining its its uh, sort of tier one status, really. And then we had a drop off. We saw Jeskai Breach at 5.7. Uh, this had kind of reached the point where enough people had felt comfortable busting this out and playing this deck in tournaments. We saw Four-Color Omnath still at 5.3% and perhaps underrepresented due to a 55% win rate. Told you. I know. I know. Still, still reasonable. And that was according to MTG decks over the past two months is where I pulled that number from. Rhinos at four point nine. Our favorite crasher still maintaining that you know tier two, relatively popular position in the meta. Four and five color creativity was at four point two percent from November to December. This has had been dropping a bit in popularity. People having figured out the weapons against it. Omnath decks were also dropping in popularity. Which brought that down with it. Uh, Burn at 3.9%. It's a real burn meta out there. Domain Zoo at 3.7. Surprisingly statistically decent here. Is that deck just basically what we would think it is? Like, is it, it, does it have
1: Scion of Draco in it still? Like, is it that? The whole thing?
0: Yeah, the sign of Draco. It has multicolor cards. It might have like a Sir Roderick or Rockerick. It might have like a, a General Ferris Rockerick. Yes. It might have a Geist of St. Traft if you're feeling really sneaky. I, I noticed one or two of those some places. So I saw it on a list the other day and I was like, what year it's is back. it? Geist is I back, was,
1: baby. What's that gif of like is it Robin Williams from the future yeah. King running around being like, What year is
0: it? <laughs> Uh, and then 10th place, Yogma, 3.2%. Never huge in the meta. Yog had been seeing some poor matchups against things like Scam, and it has a middling Murktide matchup statistically. And so maybe that's just kind of naturally keeping the popularity of this deck down. But the surprises for me in this top 10, in, again, the December check-in, both Amulet, Titan, and Living End were on the outside looking in. And Domain Zoo had been popular enough even to surpass Yawgmoth uh, at the ninth ninth place there. So since that article, not that much has really happened tournament-wise, besides MTGO events. But we did have two really large events, honestly. We had the 2022 Mana Traders 30k Invitational on December 18th, and the Modern Super Qualifier on December 26th, which is a challenging date for many. But there's a lot of people there, as we'll get into. These, of course, are pretty high, important events. We might as well go over what happened in those two. The Mana Traders 30k, we have the top 11 for some reason. I'll go to the top, let's uh, to talk about the top eight. We saw Capricosio on Amulet Titan in First sea. Um Somewhat classic decklist here with two Secura Tribelder, two Azusa. Did have a Singleton Cultivator Colossus. Second place, we saw Skinneris McQuax on Murktide. Third, we saw Magic of Player One on Murktide. Fourth, we saw Raging Machismo on Dredge. Dredge. This is a four-color build with no green, running Otherworldly Gaze and Thrilling Discovery. I gotta
1: tell you, I was looking through some modern free limbs and stuff like that over the last few days, and if Dredge
0: is starting to pop up again, interestingly enough, surprisingly, mm. but yeah. Cool. Fifth place, Happy Sandwich on Azorius Hammer. Sixth place, Gol Ducat on Five Color Creativity. Seventh place, Anson95 on Merktide. Eighth place, Nakashima on Junned Creativity. I hadn't really noticed Jun Creativity becoming a thing. But this version seems to focus a bit more on the hand and board interaction. It has like you know, four thoughtsies, a few Fatal Push, a full playset of Bolts, but also loads up on the full playset of like Persist. And to take advantage of that, the deck's running four Bittery Reunion from Brothers' War, which is that one in the red enchantment, When in ETBs. So you can discard a card to draw two cards. You can also then pay one, sacrifice it, and give your creatures haste. So, this is pretty obviously a great way to immediately get your Archon swinging. So, it's like not absurd to imagine something like play Bitter Reunion on two, discard an Archon, then you untap, persist your Archon back, and pay the one that you have left over to sack your your Bitter Reunion. Of course, you know, that's like the nut draw. It's a three card combo, effectively, but, you know, that can come together, and that's definitely a great turn three. Yeah,
1: but at least most of those cards do other things at other points in your plan, right? It's particularly Bitter Reunion, which is fine. is just something that helps you draw through your deck. You know, the, the one thing that these decks don't get, that the four-color decks get, is that they, you know, the four-color decks run Expressive Iteration, right? And this is sort of, hey, it's an Expressive Iteration-esque card. <laughs> Not-esque, because Expressive Iteration is one of the best cards in the last, like, five years. But this is a card that still lets you get through your deck and draw cards, but has some utility in a reanimator plan.
0: So, yeah, I don't really have a ton of like metagame breakdown on this tournament, but we, you know, that's a pretty interesting topic. Just after talking about Amulet Titan being out of the top 10, uh, Capricosio comes back and wins with this. You don't want to talk about the, the rest of the top 11? What do we have? We have what well, we, okay, well, quickly. Mental Two misstep. more Merc-tide decks. Yeah, yeah, Mental Misstep and O'Danielakos on Murktide. And then Toscanini, that's my favorite pasta, on kind of a five color Omnath build. Five color Omnath build. Yeah, with Karuga.
1: This, so, this is not an Omnath. This is Shape A New. This is a Portal of Phyrexia plus Omnath plus Karuga deck. This is this is your slightly different version of um, creativity, basically.
0: Yeah, so this is something I should have actually looked at for our uh, upcoming Cool Decks ink section because we haven't really talked about the Shape A New decks. Let's just read this card because it's almost like the first time I've read it, like in the past month. Shape A New. 3 in the blue sorcery the controller of target artifact sacrifices it so what do you you target the artifact and its controller sacrifices it then you re, then it reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal an artifact card that player puts that card onto the battlefield and shuffles all cards revealed this way into their library so what you you have no natural artifacts besides portal so you make like a treasure token with fable Or what else? Like, what else can you make that you can sacrifice really easily? You have gingerbread cabin, makes a food. You're using it's basically gingerbread
1: cabin or fable.
0: Okay. And then you basically, then you do like a a, a basically a transmogrify into Mm -hmm. portal to phyrexia.
1: Right. Cool. And Portal, and you have a bunch of comes-into-play effects, so Portal lets you bring back creatures that have powerful comes-into-play effects if you want. You know, you have, you fill your graveyard with Evoke Elementals, or you can get stuff that your opponent played as well. Fun.
0: That's my kind yeah, of deck. I think it's cool.
1: Not at all. You know, Spike has been playing around with this deck, had been, probably a month ago at this point, and I think this is just like an interesting other version of what's essentially, like I said a minute ago, a domino creativity. If you look at this top eight... Top 11, really. You know, there's three. Three creativity decks, if you count, count shape a new three. Let's call them sure. three transmogrify decks. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting to see people building around that idea.
0: Pretty wild, pretty fun. But we do have a lot more data from the modern super qualifier event. Uh, there was 401 players. It's a 10-round tournament. The top four of which get RC invites. So this is legit. There's a lot of prizing for these things. Bamzing, of course, uh, did God's work, gave us all 55 decks that went 7-3 or better. And here's the breakdown of those. Nine is at Merktide, about or 16.3%. And then we have immediately a big drop to five copies, or 9% each, of uh, Hammer decks. There was four Azorius, one Mono White. There was five Rhinos. Three of which were four slash five color or and two teamer, and then five burn, it's real burn meta. We had four copies or seven point two percent of Yogmoth, Amulet Titan, and Living End. So Living End and Amulet Titan kind of coming back out of relative dormancy to be seven percent of this uh, the winner's meta, essentially, the seven or three seven three or better decks. Then we get into three copies or 5.4% of Breach-style decks, two Jeskai, one Teamer. We have three Creativity decks, two four-color, one five-color, if that matters to you, and then three Rakdos Scam. And then we have two copies or 3.6% of Azorius Control and it Prowess, and then six one-ofs. Let's just blow through them. Gruel Panza, Belcher, Bring the Light, Shift, four-color Omnath, Azorius, Urza, and Fish. So, Dave, what are your th- what are your thoughts here? I my head is spinning a little bit here.
1: Wow, this is a lot of stuff.
0: It's a lot of stuff.
1: So, these are the fifty-five players that went seven-three or better. Yeah, and there's at least there's like twenty decks in this bracket that went seven-three or better in this four hundred player tournament. That seems like pretty cool amount of diversity
0: to me. Yeah, that's rules. I mean. All of these decks are capable of performing in a really highly competitive event, like even burn. But yeah, I mean, besides Murktide at sixteen percent, which is kind of I think where we've seen a lot of Murktide hanging out lately, is in the, the teens. But you know, we have we have Hammer, Rhinos, Burn, Yawgmoth, Amulet, Living End. You know, all kind of different types of strategies. We have you know sl- unfair mid range. We have even control decks. Even have some prowess decks. So this bodes well to me just as general overall winners meta people love murtide on magic online they
1: really do there's just no no way around it i mean i know it's it's a pricey deck to play even in magic magic online and still i guess it's not that pricey i'm looking at it right now it's 563 tickets that's 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 a little less than i thought
0: that's not so bad i mean that's very rentable all these decks
1: look very rentable suddenly by the way dave what's the most expensive
0: magic online deck on goldfish
1: I mean, for, for a while, it was it was four-color Omnath. Yeah, but it's like
0: 1,300, 1,600 tickets, right?
1: Yeah, but I don't see it. Surprisingly, Elementals is the highest one I see on this list I'm looking at right now at 763
0: tickets. Yeah, wow. I mean, Footfalls is the most expensive one. 875 oh, tickets. It? I mean, most, ex- most expensive besides, like you said, kind of like the Omnath decks. But like, yeah, Footfalls isn't cheap. I'm I'm impressed with how reasonably priced a lot of Magic Online is looking right now. Then, So get over to Manatraders.com. Turn your subscriptions back on. Use our code. Help us out. So let's talk about the top eight, though. We had NilsFit on Jeskai Breach, which is not your normal Jeskai Breach. I'm going to talk more about this in a later section of this episode. We had... XAKX47X on Is It Merktide? They went 10-3. Uh, Fit went 11-2 overall in the tournament, meaning they mm. you know they won out. Oh, there's a Singleton Borrower uh, dressed down for Spice in uh, this Is It Merktide list. Spider Space, our old buddy Spider Space, on Five Color Creativity yet again, making his way to the RSC. Congratulations, Gabe. Going uh, 10-2 overall on Five Color Creativity. AFX, um, I loved Analog Bubble Bath 1 and 2 uh, AFX <laughs> uh, My scam. favorite was always the, the song that he made out of R2-D2 uh, the... noises Yeah, yeah, yeah. popcorn right? <laughs> it's, it's really good uh, Racto Scam, my kind of scam list 3 Feign Death, 3 Undying Malice, None of the Bad Undying Cards, play sets yes. of All the Creatures 2 Blood Moon, 2 Fable Just split the difference on those my friend, perfect list Please and thank you then we have three, 5, 6, and 7, all on Is not Merktide. We've got TXEPI, we've got Azuli86, and we've got McWinsauce. All of these lists are within like a few cards of each other, and it's all Is not Merktide. Yeah, well, McWinsauce, long-time good Magic Online player. Yeah. He's still here. And speaking of another good Magic Online player, we have got Claudio on mm. Yawgmoth in 8th place. Bam. So there's kind of our big tournaments. Let's look at the current state of the modern metagame overall. So what I did for here, after you know, we talked about kind of Frank's December update, we talked about the two tournaments that happened, I looked at MTG Dex, which is a really handy website, to look at the higher level tournament aggregate data on popularity and win rates of the top ten decks over the last 30 days. And so we can just, this is basically what happened between December 9th and January 9th. We have Is It Murktide at 16.2%. This is a big upward trend recently. As we've seen in the previous tournament results, it even has a slightly above 50% win rate across 785 tracked matches on MDG decks. So Is It Murktide is slightly above 50%, but still the most popular deck in the room by about 5.5%. mean... It
1: certainly looks that way from the tournaments you just went over as well. So I don't think we should be as surprised. No. And also, the top eights of these tournaments were also, well, I guess we didn't have general metadata from the, um, from the Meta managers. Traders? No. Right? No, did we? No. No, we not, not, not that I had access to. But it was, it was like four or five of the top 11 decks were merc
0: Yeah.
1: Frank's article had it at 13%. The modern qualifier fire was at 16% in the bracket where people did seven and three or better. And then here we go. It says that the general meta is also 16.2% Merktide.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. But in second place, perhaps unsurprisingly, we've got Hammer at 10.7%. Staying steady as a second most popular deck. It also has a very good win, win rate, as we've been mentioning whenever we talked about this deck, at 54% over the past 30 days. Unless I'm piloting it. Yeah, I mean, unless, unless one of unless. us is piloting it. Although I have to say, still doing pretty good with Hammer these I days mean, better. That's great. I mean, 54% doesn't feel amazing, but, you know, it adds up over the aggregate. You've got third place Ratto Scam also staying steady at 8.2% with a disappointing 48% win rate in the past month. We've got Creativity decks next, staying strong at 5.3% with a 55% win rate. Up after that, Cascade at 5.3% also, staying the same as Creativity, showing indications of a little bit of resurging popularity. We've seen it um, do well in tournaments. I think it won a recent tournament that we did not cover in this uh, episode, albeit it does have a middling like 49% win rate. And now we're to a lot of decks that just haven't moved around much in their metagame percentages since December. We've got uh, Burn, 4.72, a 41% win rate. Please stop playing Burn unless you are really good with Burn. But if you like Burn, just play it. Uh, Jeskai Breach at 4% with a 51% win rate. Yogg at 3.6, 48% win rate. Amulet Titan at 3.5% with a 51% win rate. And Living End at 3.2% with a 53% win rate. Dave, does any of this information... Surprise you? Do you have any insights on it? Any immediate thoughts? I just feel like all of my preconceived notions about modern
1: have been confirmed. I don't find any of them concerning, really. No, not at right? all. Like, none of this is concerning, but it's amazing to see that things have been so stable over the last six months. So weeks or stable. So.
0: I mean, I feel like modern has been stable for like four months. I, I feel like, I mean, besides maybe the slight rise of Breach into, like, a 4% metagame share. This is just, like, what modern is, Low Tide, right? Like, just a lot of Visit it Tide. Hammer continuing to kind of be, like, just the, perhaps the best deck in the room that a few people just aren't playing. After Scam had its, you know, had its... uh people notice it and start playing it you know it's been kind of like the third or fourth most played deck so these are all things like i'm not super surprised about anymore i guess i would have suspected a slightly stronger surge for breach because i feel like breach is like a card that a lot of people are talking about recently oh yeah and people are playing
1: it all over the place now so we've talked we've talked about this a few times but you know spike has been playing i think that in the the magic i think in the qualifier that you were talking about the modern super quali- qualifier ever actually played shadow with breach which is yeah. another new thing that's emerged recently is playing death shadow with breach and playing breach in prowess and playing it in i saw it in murktide as oh a one gosh the no. other day just as like a one-off car- card draw engine at the for like late game i would assume that's wild but yeah i've there are people trying breach in all kinds of different things now now of course that's very different from the varieties of just breach combo decks that are going. But Shane, are you going to talk
0: about the uh, the weird breach deck now, or do you want to talk about it later? Oh, I'll just talk about it later. I guess what I want to talk about now, though, Dave, is like, what do you think, or would you suggest, or would you want to do in this environment right now? Because that's kind of like what I was hoping when we were doing this is like, kind of come out of this with like an idea of, hey, I'm a modern player. I want to kind of see what's going on. And like, I haven't really played much in the last six weeks. What should I be thinking about or expecting as I'm going to my LGS or going to like maybe an upcoming like RCQ or something like that. And it's like, it's the same thing. It was two months ago, three months ago. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I, as far as what I've been doing lately, I've like, I talked about last week, I've been trying to add more decks to my arsenal. But if you look at this top list, I mean, these are all decks that I have played in the last year and tried more than others. And certainly amongst the people on the show, we've all played these decks at a decent amount. But the top three, Merktide, Hammer, and Scam, are all things I feel reasonably understanding of and would try, would be happy to play any of those at a, a LGS for an FM. Uh, Hammer is my focus right now, but the other two decks are certainly good. And I, I really like playing Scam. I like Merktide okay. One thing I would say is it's a lot of Ragavan at the top of the meta. Yeah if you look at Rakdos plus is it, like that's kind of one thing to keep in mind, but I don't know. What do you think, Shane?
0: I think I would, what I like about this is that the majority of the modern meta is like closing close to 50%. You can likely play what you want besides burn uh, or get really good with hammer, right? Like I think that hammer has consistently been the best performing deck across the past few months, besides potentially creativity but like at the casual spike level, I feel like this has to be kind of one of the, the best modern metas that one can hope for. Like nothing seems really broken, nothing seems too overly represented. Besides, you know, you have to have some kind of plan against murktide, some kind of plan against hammer, maybe some plan against your having some resiliency or hate against scam. But like largely you can you can play what you want. You can get good at a deck that you want and, you know, turn that 49% into a 51% with with reps and expertise and things like that. Or maybe just the past, you know, two weeks, the deck runs hot instead of runs cold. And I, I think that's a really good place for our format to be. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I feel that way too. I felt that way about Modern for a while. I imagine some people are starting to be a little feeling like this is getting stale at this point, but at least there's a lot of different decks to play and I feel like they're pretty interactive. I, um, so, I don't know. It still feels fun to me. Surprise, I, I do a podcast about Modern mostly. Yeah, it's fun and for you. It still feels fun to me after four years. So, <laughs> you know, thank you, Lord,
0: I guess. But, uh, you know, here we are. Awesome. Well, that is Modern. Well, Shane, what decks are you going to be playing, though? So, I mean, of course, I'm going to always... Bust out rhinos here and there, but I think if we're talking about like some new experiments, some new learnings, I think I do need to like play a lot more with scam. Like I get to play my favorite one of my one of my favorite cards, that being Thoughtseize. And I I thought you were going to say Blood Moon. I mean, also yeah, (laughs) I I get to play a lot of my favorite cards in this deck, right? I mean, I get to play the card that I thought was potentially going to be broken, and Dothy Voidwalker. I get to play Grief and Fury and Blood Moon. And season Pyromancer and Ragavan. And so it's just like a lot of stuff I really like playing. And like, you know, I'm not learning I mean, I'm always learning something new when I play rhinos, but I think I can get a lot more learning by playing scam at this point. And so, you know, I got a lot of like full arts of those cards. I get to like mess around with those and have some fun. So mm-hmm. I'll probably I mean, I think I'll try to lean more into the scam end of things and rhinos, but that because I can always fall back on rhinos is like a deck I understand and have fun with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's a, it's an interesting deck for sure. I've enjoyed scam a lot, so that's a good choice. Sweet. I, uh, one thing that's super interesting, I think about these three ma- top three decks is that they are all sort of, I mean, and maybe this isn't that, I don't know. Maybe this isn't that interesting, but to me, they all feel like decks that land a cheap, big threat and then protect it with one mana spells. Hmm. Like, is it murktide hammer and scam are all similar in that way and how effective they do it is different, but you know, the feigned death spells are reasonable as protection and scam hammer has of course taken to running blacksmith skill and spell pierce. And then is it murktide is just the, uh, you know, the top deck of playing counter spells and playing spell pierces and things yeah. like that to, to protect your, uh, so they're all, all these decks are uh, shadow. That's what I'm saying. These are like good versions <laughs> of shadow.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things where when I when I look at Shadow, I'm always just like, how is this deck not better? You got a million, like, one and two mana spells. You have super cheap threats. that can get big. What's going on here? But maybe just, you know, decks like, like you said, maybe these other decks are just doing it in the same way. Also doing cheap things, but have the power of elementals behind them. Yeah.
1: Not or, Hammer. No elementals on Hammer, but good anyway. Point.
0: I mean, it could. That'd just be weird. So, Dave, I'm done with Modern. And mm-hmm. you've got Pioneer to talk about. Yes. So
1: this is going to be a little shorter segment, although it has a lo- almost as much data. It's just one single data set. So Pioneer RCQ results are in, and they are weird. That's the number one, number three <laughs> thing on our list today. So Pioneer was a huge focus for competitive magic last year, especially towards the end of the yeah, year. so much data. Got, Exactly. As, as we got through people's RC and got to the actual RCs being played, thanks to all those being played in November and December, there's a lot of data from very high-level play all around the same time, which hasn't really happened too, too much lately, other than outside of Magic Online, of course. It's a data set the size of a Grand Prix. It's 2,900 players. It's almost like a huge Grand Prix because this is like 2,900 players who made day two. It's kind of how I'm thinking about what an R- what the RCs were. So we've mentioned Frank Carson once already this episode. His most recent me- Metagame Mentor article from a few days ago, January 5th, was all about Pioneer looking at the lens of what data came in from all these RC RCs, not RCQs. These are the RCs. Shane, does that seem fair? This is a day two meta for a giant Grand Prix, basically. Dave, do you think that that means anything to anyone anymore? Yeah, I guess not, unfortunately. I wish it did, but it doesn't. <laughs> so these are people who are reasonably invested in doing well and probably did a lot of testing overall. He used the corresponding MTG Melee pages to pull his deck list together. I'm really hoping, Frank, that you know about fixing... The oh, deck titles. He's I have mentioned to it. He's he mentioned it before. He, he has, you know he okay. fixed it. Okay, good, good. All right. Well, I think that what we're gonna do is try to bounce around on in different groups of what these decks are. So okay. he ended up ranking 25 decks by percentage of the field and match win rate. 25
0: that, decks, Frank. Yeah,
1: we're not gonna go through all of these, but of the 2,900 players that came to the RCs, here is what in my mind is the top tier of decks. Rakdos Midrange with 17.1% of the field, a 51.1% match win rate. Mono Green Devotion right behind that with 16.9% of the field, but a farther win rate, 47.9% win rate. Is it Phoenix, 9.8% of the field with a 49.5% win rate, and Mono White Humans with 7.6% of the field and a 53.5% win rate. That is where I would draw the line on the first tier
0: of decks. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking, I mean, if you really, yeah, there's there's arguments about having just like Rakdos and mono Green on their own tier in terms of like popularity, but right. it, because we really can't talk about a performance tier here because as we'll talk about, the percentage of the field and their you know corresponding match win rate aren't exactly a 1 to 1. They do not line up at all, really
1: so the main surprise to me was that there wasn't really a meta breaker deck in any of these tournaments that caught on enough to steal a bunch of market share at the end of the tournament there might be something in like cruel vehicles yeah which I'll talk about later which was around 5% of the metagame. I think at the beginning of the RCs that was less popular and then later on it got more popular but this was super stable it it's pioneer this is what pioneer is yeah,
0: yeah this is this is pioneer so Shane this is a
1: stable metagame. Modern is a pretty st- stable metagame. How do you feel about the difference between these two things?
0: I was thinking about that because I was looking through you know, your notes uh, today uh, and I was like, we have two very stable environments for people to be playing. But for whatever reason, it's likely kind of my relative lack of exposure to Pioneer. It's like for some reason, Pioneer feels more boring, even though Modern is pretty boring itself. I think that the really interesting thing about Modern is we can still have weeks where it's like, oh, everyone's talking about Underworld Breach this week. Everyone's doing something weird with like Shape Anew now, just because of the card pool depth. Or you can kind of bust out an old weird card to make some nine mana artifact work. And you can't necessarily do the same thing as often as Pioneer. I mean, I, I'm saying that I'm looking at on Greasefang, which is a card that literally was printed and then immediately made a seven mana artifact relevant once again uh, with Parhelion seven or whatever the heck it's called. And, but that just doesn't happen quite as often. And you can't go back to the archives of Pioneer as often as you can to the archives of modern. So my, my gut feeling is like, Oh, Pioneer looks kind of boring. You don't have as many, many options for creativity and experimentation. But then I also am like, well, maybe it's just like underexplored at this point. Like Everyone was trying to figure out what to play um, from the known decks for the RCs. Some new decks did appear, like Rural Vehicles, which then did kind of have a, have a rise in popularity. But I think people right now are kind of like, well, good, I get to stop playing Pioneer. Besides like yeah. besides the aficionados of the format. And yeah, maybe unfortunate
1: in that sense. Like I still I still think it's a little unfair. Yeah, for sure. But um, you know, I think the most interesting thing to me, honestly, is that even though there was a huge consolidation at the top of the field with Rakdos and Mono Green both at basically 17%, Phoenix and 10, humans in control at 7.6 and 6.6, you know, that is I'm gonna do math live. I'm gonna do math live. That's f- almost 60% of the meta. Yeah. Right. Right there. Um, Those were the only decks above 5% of the meta.
0: Yeah, there's a long tail here. In
1: all of that. There's a huge long tail. And Frank, in his article, lists 20 more decks, 20 more decks that starts with Gruel Vehicles, goes all the way down to Jun Sacrifice at 0.4% of the field. But then he also has an other category that had 7.1%
0: as well. Yeah, so people so, are, people are playing what they want. They're experimenting, but how do people notice? Like, how do, how do people notice an experiment unless like aspiring spike or canister or like Gabe Nassif or like, or streaming with it? You know what I mean? Anymore? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's tough. I think a lot of it's on Twitter, right? I think a yeah. lot of it is people just trying stuff that they see even at energy or see it. Some of these, some of the challenges and things like that. But yeah. Lots of one-offs is what that basically meant. And lots of people were br- willing to break out their their one of deck and give it a shot. And the win rate wasn't that bad at the other category. It was below 50%, but it was 46.5%. So it had a better win rate than Niv to Light or yeah. a better win rate than Bant Spirits did. About the same win rate as Karuga Fires. Um, yeah. Interesting. I
0: mean, do you want to talk win rates a little bit? Because this is kind of the thing that continually surprises me. I mean, not only about Pioneer, but also about Modern, is what what people are playing, even though the numbers do not change. Hardly at all. Where it's like, Rakdos at 51%. Monogreen Devotion at 48%. Is it Phoenix at like 50%. And note, these are
1: non-mirror, non-buy win rates. So Frank went through, did the work to fix these so that we're not seeing a zillion mono-green devotion mirrors within here somehow,
0: you know what I mean? So it's it's taking all of that data out. And then we start getting to like a few like 50% plus decks where it's like mono-white humans, 53.5. This is data we knew six weeks ago, right? Where it's like, hey, we know mono-white humans is good and has good matchups against a number of the more popular decks. And Azorius Control is like 50 plus percent. Gruul Vehicles at 54 percent. And, yeah. and this, these are things where it's like, why aren't these decks climbing up in popularity a little bit? Is it just like play style people don't like? Is it stubbornness? Is it just like the fact that decks like Rakdos Midrange are decks that people see, feel like they have agency with? I mean, why did people play Obson
1: Midrange forever in in modern you know what i mean it's i think it's agency and maybe it maybe it's like these are the cards that i have and the cards that i have are expensive and it's a good deck and i do okay with it like and there's just players that are bad that are just playing the net decks that are bringing the rate down a little bit tough to say but i think a couple of other notes is that one is the spread was narrow in win win rates here if you look at these 25 decks there was no deck that was below 45 percent point nine percent win rate in these 25 decks yeah. plus other so it's tight it's kind of bunched together and there was also no deck that was above 55 percent. so the top range within this is essentially the number one winning deck i think was gruel vehicles nope yeah uh it was adding matic fires with 55 percent was the number one win rate in this table that is wild to me <laughs> and the list of decks that have, were the top six performing decks by win rate were all rogues like Shane was kind of leaning towards other than non-white humans. It's enigmatic fires, ractosac, gruel vehicles, humans, lotus field, and angels were the top six performing decks. Yeah, all with win rates above fifty-two percent.
0: Yeah, I mean this is like a a healthy format, more or less, right? Where it's like wizards, both through you know tweaking the format themselves, but also players just having the ability to tech against overly powered strategies and things like that, you know, that creates a a format that more or less doesn't have anything that's outstanding, nothing that's too bad. In fact, I would say that it seems like pioneer has a higher floor than modern does, which again, does not surprise me because of the card pool thing that we talked about where it's like you, if you're playing with the cards of this era that are, like a functional deck, like you're not going to get maybe quite as many, uh, Terrible matchups, besides, unless you're playing Nip to Light at 40.7%. It seems like you should probably be ignoring that deck for now. But, mm. you know, long story short, like it's definitely like a, again, a play what you want format if you just want to have some fun after, at your FNM. And if you want to spike a tournament, win an RCQ, I think you should start looking at some of the data that we have available to us and pick your poison for what you think the expected metagame is going to be. Yeah. I mean, Frank did a wild thing on. At
1: least on the tweet that he announced this last metagame mentor with, I'm looking at the article. I don't see the same table. He posted matchup percentages for a bunch of the decks that he was looking at. So it doesn't have all of the match matchups, but it does have tons of them showing the actual win rate that they had against each other, which is super interesting to see. For example, the fact that Lotus Field Combo beat is it Phoenix 84% of the time, Shane. of the time. It went 54 and 10 against Is It Phoenix. That's conclusive. (laughs) That's huge. And then on the flip side, Mono Blue Spirits lost to Is It Phoenix 80% of the time. So two of the most polarized matchups on his table, for example, are in the Is It Phoenix column. They're Lotus Field or Mono Blue Spirits. So if you're going to a place you expect a lot of Mono Blue Spirits, apparently play a whole lot of Is It Phoenix, I guess is the only
0: thing I would (laughs) say. Is there anything like appealing to you here, Dave? Again, this I this mean, is this is not really like an argument of like, well, you know, how do you feel about Pioneer overall? But like, if you're thinking like, hey, I like going to my, my Pioneer FNM night. I've got people I like playing with. It's you know that we get sixteen players every week. I, well, I need to get back into Pioneer. What are you looking at? So honestly, if I were you, which
1: deck would I pick for you? No, I mean I know what I'm picking.
0: It's okay. it's, it's a terrible idea. picking. I can't pick for you. I mean, you can pick for me, please do it. Rakdos
1: Sacrifice Shane.
0: That's oh, the deck man. I think that you should take. You know what's funny? To, to Pioneer M. This is kind of the deck that I actually thought. I actually thought Jun Sack was going to be like a much bigger presence than it is. And I thought, because I, I see a lot of spiky players really like these sacrifice decks. But for whatever reason, they haven't truly caught on. I a mean, Racksack and especially Jun Sack have always been kind of rogue, even though their win rates are quite strong and you don't have to worry about a lot of annoying triggers. Like you might on arena or magic online. You can kind of just like quickly do these motions and yeah, I'm all for it. I have all these cards. I purchased them all. I was planning on getting into it because I've always wanted to really learn a sacrifice deck really well. So maybe it's time Dave. So what were you going to pick for yourself though? We're going to pick that Uh, Lotus field,
1: even though it's like like the most
0: anti Shane deck, but like, I just want to learn a deck like
1: this, man. I, there's no way. There's no way <laughs> for me I'm not touching that
0: I, I got I got oh, yeah. I have all the pieces I bought them bought them like a month month and a half ago all the envelopes from TCG trickled in and I've got you know 95 percent of it now so I actually started putting it into my heavy play sleeves to have like a you know a deck like that kind of has a lot of novel pieces that I don't need to move around so I wanted to see what those were like so yeah that's what I'm thinking about that's funny I mean for me you
1: guys know what I like to play in this ever people know i Gruul like vehicles I like, yeah i mean cruel, of the decks that are in this <laughs> top tier i would say gruel vehicles is the one that's the angels. most interesting to
0: me it's not angels it's not monoid human. i would play I mono mean, humans, honestly you would yeah I, I mean i would i would definitely play that deck i mean that's definitely kind of you know an aggro beat down synergy style deck and uh the i think the main problem is it's actually surprisingly expensive for what i don't have like I have a lot of these cards, but like some of the, some of the more recent mythics um, are surprisingly pricey. So I'm not quite there. Yeah. I mean, I still have Phoenix and I have Rakdos mid range
1: and I have mono blue spirits. Like I have a bunch of the decks in the 50% tier. So I would probably just go with one of those if I was playing right now still, cause I'm me and exactly. I like those decks. Well, that's all that matters, Dave. Yeah. All right. So that's pioneer for now. What weirdly, the watchword of 2023,
0: early 2023, is stability. Yeah, which is kind of a good thing to operate in, I feel like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think if you want to get better, if you're coming into 2023 with like, hey, I'm going to improve my game. I want to get better at some decks. I want Mm -hmm. to maybe spike an RSEQ. This is exactly the environment you want to be operating in. Is something where it's like I can take previous knowledge, I can look at the numbers and the stats, I can examine the metagame, I can pick a deck, I can craft my sideboard, I can practice, and until the next set comes out, that might shift some things up. But you know, with with Pioneer and with and especially Modern, it's usually not that dramatic. So I think this is kind of like something where you want that stability because you can then say. What can I do to take advantage of this? How can I learn and grow in this environment? Yeah. And Dave, you're Absolutely. learning and growing. You're playing some Hammer right now. I know that. Not I mean, not oh, yeah. right now, because we're recording an episode of the podcast. Um. Yeah, I have to finish a league. Hang on one second. <laughs> okay, Stan. Yeah. We're, we're in turns. Don't worry.
1: We're up. Okay. So we talked about the big meta games. What is some new stuff that we saw that's worth talking about?
0: Well... This was surprisingly challenging. We're at, we're at the fourth bullet point. We're at some cool decks, Inc. And I mentioned this earlier, uh, this deck that we're about to talk about. But it was kind of hard to find some cool decks anywhere besides, like, digging through some leagues, which is always kind of a little bit of a cop-out. Like, I do want to find something that's cool, but it's also cool because, like, maybe a top 32, a challenge or something like that. But modern, like we've been saying, feels really stable. And it's Yeah, I mean, I do see a lot of cool decks still showing up on, for what
1: it's worth, and we don't have these on the list, I don't think, of stuff that you've looked at, Shane, but there's a lot of stuff going on on Twitter in, in yeah. Modern oh, for yeah. sure right now, and especially around Underworld Breach, as we mentioned, and I've seen some some interesting stuff, a lot of different places, there's still some red-green storm decks out there, I saw one recently that was a red-green storm deck with the cost, the red-green goblin cost reducer that reduces red or green spells. Oh, yeah.
0: By by like one goblin a narcomancer or something. What was yeah. that thing?
1: Yep. It had that one in it. So people are trying lots of different ways to make Underworld Breach better. And one thing in particular that you have an example of that maybe not better but different. Yeah. So the example that you have from this is this deck by Nilsfit that we're finally going to talk about in depth from the Modern Super Qualifier.
0: Yeah. So this was called Jeskai Breach, and when you're like, okay, Jeskai Breach, I know what that does, but this is different. And this seems kind of to be like a uh, an auxiliary build, an adjunct from the original. Nilsfit is a player with a deep, deep Magic Online history, so they clearly know what they're doing. And this list isn't just Grinding Breach. It's almost like a Storm-esque type list. Yeah, I mean, it's not any Grinding Breach, to no, be it's clear. Not. This yeah, deck no. has
1: no copies of Grinding Station in it.
0: Yeah, so there's four Dragon's Rage Channelers. There's four Ragavan. There's two Baral as the creature suite. There's a couple Teferi three for, you know, Teferi three things. And then there's, like, your spell suite of things like Consider, Lightning Bolt, Prismatic Ending, Unholy Heat, Expressive Mana Manamorphose, a couple Remand, a single Grape Shot. Things like, you know, four Bauble, four Underworld Breach. And my thought on this How this deck can win, there's a couple of angles of attack, right? Like one, I think it can sort of just dig through the deck and fill the graveyard to pay for escape. How how is it digging through the deck, do you think? Well, I mean, it has DRC, it has Metamorphose, just to sort of like draw and fill, it has baubles, it has expressive iterations, it just has removal spells, it has consider, which is something that grinding breach does not play, correct? So all these spells are working with some of your creatures, along with the cost reduction of Brawl, if needed. Not, I mean, not a lot of these spells actually get reduced with Brawl. I will note. There's one really important one, though. So, which is? Manamorphose. Yes,
1: that's the one. Because Manamorphose, when, when you cast Manamorphose with Brawl out, You're happy. it generates mana. Right, like that was a good thing in Storm. And so, if you have Manamorphose and a bunch of cards in your graveyard with Underworld Breach, you can make a whole bunch of mana, draw a bunch of cards, potentially fill your library or your graveyard even more. But even it might just be drawing a bunch of cards to be able to get you to a point where you can kill somebody with a small grape shot or a bunch of a couple of lightning bolts a bunch of times. So it it makes Manamorphose making mana seems to be the thing that is different about
0: this deck from your standard grinding breach. I do think this is a like small breach deck because you have eight one drops that can put real pressure on your opponent pretty quickly uh, like with Ragavan and DRC and we know that DRC grows really fast and you have you know the interaction, interactive spells and bolts so you can do things like dig through your deck, fill the graveyard pay for your escape and then do some remand tricks and I don't know the math on storm very well but like then you can win with your grape shot pretty efficiently i imagine yeah yeah and i think
1: that one thing that's interesting is that over time so grinding breach originally had drc too and then ledger shredder shredder was printed and people seem to decide that the optimal build of grinding breach was to play with ledger shredder and so this does look like a slightly more aggro version of the deck that maybe takes better advantage of DRC, like you're saying. The only reason I wanted to interject this here is that, you know, Grinding Breach can win by just killing people with... Ledger Shredder and Ragavan and stuff like that. It doesn't have to combo off all the time. It doesn't have to get to the, you know, Oracle or however you're trying to, whatever you're trying to kill. Even Grind Breach occasionally plays Grape Shot out of the graveyard to kill people as well. So there's just different builds in this zone. But this, like you said, seems to be a small Breach deck. It's not trying to infinite, it's not trying to get through your whole deck
0: necessarily. Yeah, I've heard it called, like some people call it like Prowess, even though there's no actual Prowess creatures. Um, I also, there was in the Reddit thread for the write-up of the tournament, some people were actually players in the tournament, and they were like, yeah, like, this deck can just win from, like, a aggro value plan. Like, they attacked me, they killed my threats, they breached me for value, just, like, bolted me to the face a few times. So, yeah, this deck does not need to have, like, some kind of combo kill. It's just, like, a value aggro breach deck that can also kind of come out of nowhere and just sort of finish you off with a, a grape Shot or something like that. It's really fascinating how many
1: different versions... I mean, fascinating to me because I like to play red-blue cards, but maybe not fascinating to everybody, just all of the different versions of Breach, red-blue decks with Breach, without Breach, Ragavan with Dragon's race Channeler, without Dragon's race Channeler, with Murktide, without Murktide. Like, the core of red-blue is just so, (laughs) so good. Like, what a reminder this is that there's a niche for a special Storm deck that still can kill people with creatures.
0: For sure. I mean, I kind of like it. I'm probably, I probably could not like min max this deck enough where it's like I'm eking out the value required to sort of like get someone dead, you know, get them down to zero life uh, with, you know, a a small ball. Like this feels like small ball magic. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, I have some small creatures, I have a bunch of like spells that are doing something ostensibly, and then get myself in a position to win with those tools. And I think that this is probably like a deck that really rewards kind of like knowing positions and knowing like life totals and what you can do to get people to, you know, from eight to zero at at that point and like what draws you need to make. And, you know, I think that's kind of thing like, yeah, if you, if you're into that, I'm, I'm sure that if you're like an an ex storm player, finding ways to play like with this might be pretty fun for you. Yeah. Maybe I should consider it. (laughs) I've been wanting to play breach for a while. I like to play prowess. This is something in the middle of those two yeah. builds. So I did have one more find though, a random find in the deck dump. I said, I wasn't going there, but this one was kind of too juicy not to talk about pretty briefly. I picked this one out. It's a Mardu kind of small box deck by Michelangelo Pira. It features the new card braids a risen nightmare from Dominaria United. It's one black, black legendary creature nightmare three, three, At the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each opponent who doesn't, they lose two life and you draw a card. So this deck also has classics like smallpox, you know, the black black sorcery that makes each player lose a life, discard a card, sacrifice a creature, sacrifice a land. The support around all this appears to be removal spells, you know, fatal push, prismatic ending, vindicate, uh, hand disruption and thought Seize. And you're supporting that discard creature creation package that you need to have a sacrifice spotter. Did you mention Dam is in here? Damn, oh, damn, yeah. I mean, if you want, damn. if you want a, a sweeper type thing, go for it. But you have to have lingering souls in order to have enough stuff. So this has the playset of our old classic, old friend, lingering souls. Speaking of on midrange, Dave, about ten minutes ago, uh, along with timeless dragon from Horizons two to get lands, oh, yeah. get lands out of the battlefield, and have something to get back out of the graveyard later. Stoneforge Mystic, I guess, is just there.
1: Sir, yeah just to be clear plane cycling does
0: not put lands
1: onto the battlefield oh you're right it doesn't it draws them. well it means is... well it means
0: eventually it does it gets it gets eventually. you have lands in hand to put onto the battlefield dave okay fair and stoneforge mystic is there i guess just to like finish the opponent off without having to have a lot of mana left like if you have yeah. two mana you can win with stoneforge mystic like look i'm sure this deck is not good
1: but i'm sure it's fun it's also got flagstones of trocare classic did you mention that yeah
0: your classic smallpox move yeah i mean uh I, I bet you that when you play this deck and you win with this deck you have a lot of fun and that's important probably it is a game you're supposed to have fun the mana looks i think terrible. i'm more interested in the first one than this one but uh you know yeah, i mean this was not for suggestions for things to take the next tournament it's just hey check out this cool deck that michelangelo Piro won with they won five in a row, Dave. That gets you to the top eight in a lot of local. That tournaments.
1: does. The cards that I'm missing from this deck, I have. I definitely have braid I so it Magic Goldfish is telling me that I need braids, Timeless Dragon, which I guarantee I have enough of the, both of those oh, cards. Yeah. For I me, mean, at least those are sets dragon, that I yeah. opened. Oh no, I opened a lot of Darmenaria, you know, <laughs> like an embarrassing amount. <laughs> I don't know why. Trying to get Shieldreds, I guess. I need four smallpox. Well, the Phyrexian Crusader in the sideboard, Dave. Yeah, that's brutal. I'm not playing with that card. And then Flagstones
0: of Trocair. Yeah, that was that was reprinted. did Heath. Yeah. Yeah, the mana of this deck looks simply horrible, but it does have Urborg. It's got three of them. Yeah. Who needs three Urborgs? I mean, there's a lot of black mana in this deck. Three? Also, Liliana the Veil is $20 now, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Boy, I'm so glad that I sold that box
1: topper when I did. Oh, man, yeah. Although... I sold it and got 2 Ren and 6. So we'll see if those ever get banned, but you know, it is what it is. Did you find anything, Dave? So I tried to look for decks for Pioneer for right now, and I I gave myself some rules. I was like I'm not going to go in any in leagues. And all, what I did was I looked at like challenge top 32s and um and prelims for the last from basically December 30th until now so five or six days of those, and I was stunned at how much on-meta stuff there was in all of those places. There was almost no decks that I would consider to be rogue, bruise, at all in the top 32, or going 3-1 or 4-0 in any prelims. Shocking. Shocking to me. The biggest thing I saw was some people who were trying to play blue-black mid instead of red-black mid, Basically, so it was kind of like graveyard trespasser, control mm. mid range control. Going to have some counterspells like instead the of The scarab. God. Yeah, I didn't see the scarab god. Maybe it wasn't it. And then also some blue black control. But I, all those decks, I feel like those are just like specialists getting getting in there with stuff that they know how to play. Yeah, I did see one deck in a league, so I I lowered myself to leagues as well, and I I looked around a little bit and I found by Funky Monkey. From twelve twenty nine. This is certainly funky. It is funky because I can't even tell what's going on with this deck at all. This deck out of five zero. It is Selesnia. It is a Yorian deck in Pioneer, and it has forty two creature cards of which there's probably twenty five different creatures in this deck. Yeah, like ten one of. Yeah, four Kayla's Reconstruction and four Collected Companies. Say, what's Kayla's Reconstruction do? So so, Reconstruction is from Brothers War, and it costs X white, white, white for a sorcery that says, look at the top seven cards of your library and put up to X artifact and or creature cards with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So it's sort of a Collected Company, except it's not an instant, and it costs five to do the same thing that Collected Company would do, except it also gets artifacts. But this deck is wild it's got voice of resurgence so the four ofs in it are elvish mystic lanoir elves sure that makes sense selfless spirit voice of resurgence extraction specialist and knight of autumn are the four ofs. all good cards and then it's just a list of like ambitious farmhand charming prince remorseful cleric skyclave cleric archon of emiria augur of autumn fierce empath kazandu mammoth nissa vastwood seer redane skyclave apparition is a two of and then there's an angel of serenity
0: does this and a decimator
1: have, of the provinces Steve, does
0: it have a combo I, there's i the, the fi- i the, the fierce, I empath, find what it is. The fierce imp- empath and the decimator of the provinces thing really makes me feel like there has to be some kind of combo here but maybe not like I think there are all, all almost certainly
1: is a combo here that we're missing that either gets you Angel of Serenity or Decimator the Provinces.
0: But I don't see how you cheat them into play. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean it does have thirty lands. I guess it's a you know a, a index you have to have thirty lands. So there's ramp, so it clearly wants to be doing something faster. I mean I'm sure if I just like Googled like probably like fierce empath combo or something like that, I could come get to the, the bottom of this. We're not going to do that. Though. No, that's just, it's just that's it's more it's more fun for everyone on the end of the their earbuds to be like, "You idiots! This is a very popular combo deck." Yeah, you fawn a shaman
1: away a voice of resurgence, and then this happens. Nothing happens if you do that. By the way, I know that nothing happens. All right, so that's that's what I found. I, well, I'll keep take, keep keeping a lookout for Pioneer, but right now I feel like all of our formats are ready for some brews. Maybe we need to bring Spike on just to talk to him about his latest favorite brews in Modern.
0: I mean, we have a spike out in a minute, so it's always a good time to reach out and say, "Hey, Stan's gone. Let's have you, third third host." Yeah,
1: he'll he'll be almost a good enough replacement for Stan.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, not a lot of. I mean, this this just kind of speaks, I think, to kind of the stability of our formats, right? Which is just like even in the challenges and uh, the one of those other things called Dave prelims. Prelims. Yeah, even in those we're seeing kind of the same decks showing up more often than not. So get creative out there. Do something cool. That's right. All right, the last thing that we're gonna talk about. (laughs) I don't even know if we
1: need to talk about it. It's kind of talking about nothing. Phyrexia All R One, what an unbelievable amount of leaks there are floating around for that. Oh my goodness. Supposedly out of like a
0: box. It's got to be several boxes at this point, right? I mean, yeah, unless they just printed a bunch of rares into the packs. I don't know. It's
1: it's it's unbelievable, though. So we're not going to speculate about the cards. We don't want to right now. We're going to start talking about spoilers over the next couple of weeks as things become officially spoiled. I just wanted to say we're going to do our best to differentiate between official and unofficial spoilers, but we might also make mistakes. And we record episodes three or four days before they're released, so...
0: Time is a flat circle. I mean, scryfall usually does a pretty good job. I think of like not putting unofficial spoilers on their page. So like, I kind of use those as like a source of truth, but you know, there's, there's a lot to talk about here. I will say that the form, the, the, not the format, the set looks pretty interesting. There's some powerful Mm -hmm. cards, uh, if you're not looking at them, uh, I don't blame you. It's, it's, it's maybe fun to have the spoilers come out from their official sources. I don't like ruining anyone's fun uh, at all, and so I'm, I feel bad for all the people who had spoilers and wanted to, you know, do something fun with them or you know just put them on their Twitter just to get some retweets and whatnot. It, it does take a little bit away from that, but long story short, we'll talk about them when they're officially spoiled, and we'll do our usual. Um, wild speculation about just how good or bad
1: they are however i do have one request i guess of people right now if there are cards that you have looked at if if you're a spoily person and you've looked and there's a card that you want us to talk about that you think we might not talk about send us a note with the title of it to our gmail just to let us know that you'd like us to have it on the radar. I think that's an interesting thing we can do this spoiler season since people know the cards, but <laughs> yeah. we're not going to talk about them for a little bit. If there's something you want us to pay attention to that you think we might miss, give us the suggestion.
0: Help us out. Participate. Love it. Good idea, Dave. Dave, without Stan, I feel like we had a really efficient episode here. And I'm not saying that Stan made our episodes inefficient. I'm saying there's only two of us to talk about stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're still at a, a,
1: an hour 30. I mean, so, perfect.
0: You know, Love it. it's longer than last week, I think. maybe. Oh my gosh, you're probably right. But Dave, I think that wraps up this week's show. That's right. So if you have not yet, why don't you subscribe to our podcast? You get the episodes as soon as they drop. If you use Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating uh, and a review. We appreciate that. If you want to submit us a question, if you want to tell us what cards are piquing your interest in Phyrexia All-Or-One, anything else, you can reach out or tweet us uh, at the dive Down or email the dive Down at gmail.com. Again, if you want to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com/thedivedown. You can go to our store to get some merch, get some dive down swag at thedivedown.com. Also shout out to manitraders.com for sponsoring us. You can use promo code thedive down15 all one word for 10% off your first 2 months there of renting magic online cards. Of course, Barrister and Man, you can get some shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, all that kind of stuff. Barristerandman.com, code the dive down 15 for 15% off your first order. Nerd Rage Gaming save 8% off your order there with code dive8. As always special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Space Watch for letting us use their music and until next week. Get out there and break the meta.